The Mahomes dynasty is upon us. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory. Another edition of the KC Laboratory presented by Emprise Bank, member FDIC. We are live here on a Monday night, less than 24 hours removed from the Chiefs defending their Super Bowl championship. It is, uh, boy, it's been a great day. We're all exhausted, but it's been a great day. Maddie Lane and Craig Stouter here. Matthew, how many hours of sleep did you get last night? Not many. Um, easily <laughs> count it on and not a fully fingered uh, one single hand, right? That's all. Um, and that's your very single digits here. Um, so yeah, not great, but it's a fantastic time to be the fan of the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. It is, it's has four time. I mean, I want to say three time. I know that upset some people in the past. <laughs> I really want to say three time, and I want to do it just like how Brett Veach did it in the photos. The cool way to say three, you know, Veach is now hip to that. Um, so, yeah. But, yeah, I, I, it's great. I'm happy to be sitting here with my best friends, Tom and Jerry, as we talk about the Super Bowl yet again. Craig, I, Tom. Tom, yes. <laughs> Very clearly, Tom. I get there's there's no dispute there. I oh. also like that Maddie had to define that he got single-digit amounts of sleep. Maddie, I listen, we all have kids. When was the last time you got double-digit hours of sleep? Not yeah, as far like... back as you would think. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, um, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. I had a moment a couple weeks ago where I crashed at like 9 o'clock at night and slept until like 8 the next day. So like I, I, I think it was shortly after the shrine maybe or Something like that. So, it, you know, it's been re- more recent than, you know, than obviously Craig. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I we had a great time last night. Um, hung around on the live chat afterwards. I actually left and then came back, and Craig and Maddie were still on. And then Tucker finally had gotten home by then. So, like, we're all hanging out. I think we got off, like, what, what was it, like, midnight, 1 o'clock? It was deep into the ones my time. So, it was it was late. It yeah, was, it, was, it was, it was, it had to be, um, yeah, or, or it was pre- this much of a bottle of bourbon that that's how, that's how <laughs> much I know. So, yeah, it is always just, I, I love being, I love that. I'm not, you know, used to this part. I, the post Twitter after your team wins the Super Bowl is the best because you're just getting unhinged clips. You're getting all these different views. You're getting all these different stories. And it's just a wave all at the same time. Like there's just so many little things that pop out. Just saw the Isaiah Gavings video, uh, the the practice squad tight end for the Chiefs, who has his camera running onto the field celebrating the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. He runs around. He goes to the corner with McColl. Then he like chases Mahomes. And you can hear him yelling, he's the GOAT, he's the GOAT. And so he's actually run up, got a, a picture of Mahomes kind of with his arms over his head, Michael Jordan style celebrating on the ground on the sidelines. Like, um, and it's been like every little clip is just so perfect. And like Joshua Williams is just a whole vibe. Like, <laughs> it's, it's so Drew great. Shackle. I 
I mean, you were talking about a vibe, Drew Trey, with the goggles, the cigar. Everybody else has got like five second videos. He's got like a 35 second video where he does nothing but bob his head with a cigar in his mouth. And it's amazing. It's perfect. It's absolutely everything. So, like, yeah, it was, it's great. It, it, that's always one of the best parts is like getting through the next day. Like, I don't know about you guys. This Super Bowl win this year hit a little bit harder, maybe better than last year's over the Eagles. And I don't know what it was, but like, I didn't want to go like lay down and go to bed after this or even try to start calming down. I wanted to say, hang out with you guys a little bit afterwards, talk about the game or just like everything about it a little bit. And then you wake up and like, I haven't seen any of the locker room videos yet. And so I get to spend the first half of my day today seeing like just all the reaction shots and everything. And it was just, it was a lot of fun. Everything about this was fun. It really felt like this one. And the players all said it, but like I even think as fans, we all kind of felt it too. Like it, it meant it meant a little bit more than maybe even last year's. And like that's not to diminish what happened last year, but I don't know. This one just seemed to hit a little different to me. It really did. Um I I I think maybe the overtime part of it, um, for me, maybe the confidence going into the game and then it not playing out exactly how I'd kind of thought or hoped it would play out especially early and then to come back again as I said on the post game show last night is a perfect encapsulation of the season right there the offense could not get going they had to lead on the defense for a very long time and then right at the very end the offense gets going goes for over 200 yards in the fourth quarter and over time after only racking up 240 the previous three quarters it was really special to watch I too am kind of combing through some of this stuff, trying to watch all of the, you know, family members and things like that. Get, you know, players out there with their kids. That's my favorite part. Mm -hmm. Getting a little emotional and tearing up. Donovan Smith, you know, his daughter being held up and saying, yeah, my daddy always wins. You know, like that, that's awesome. Like that's incredible that we get more of these moments with this group of guys because it's not going to be the same next year. It's not going to be the same people back this year so or next year. So to see guys like McCall Hardman, to see guys like Donovan Smith, really Mike Pinnell get kind of the, their flowers, you know, uh, over the course of these playoffs has just been really, really special. And it's fun to watch. So many, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into the details on some of these guys here soon. Um, I actually tried to write, uh, so Tuesday, KCSN Substack, Make sure you're checking it out. I kind of tried to just talk about how nothing's the same after that one. This this one's different for a lot of different reasons. And I think there's always going to be some level of emotion tied to the most recent Super Bowl. Like, you know, I go back and forth if you pull which one was... You know, there's recency bias. I've asked the question before, and there's recency bias to which Super Bowl is your favorite. And, I, you know, I think, I think there's a lot of things playing into it, though. Um... I think the fact that the Chief, we've all experienced a loss in a Super Bowl. We we know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to lose to old Tom Brady uh, in a Super Bowl. So we know the pain and how hard it is to achieve this. So we've been through that. Three is, I, I'll just, I'll tease this piece. Three stuffs the rest of the AFC quarterbacks in a locker. <laughs> it's over. There is none of the quarter, but none of the other quarterbacks to the AFC right now are getting the three, because they might, they, you know, a couple of them might get one, but they're not getting three. Well, and Mahomes is, and that would require Mahomes to stop winning. 
Yeah, like the rest of his life. 31 starting quarterbacks in the NFL have a combined three. They're not getting to three. Yeah. No. So it's like, even if Mahomes, like, just, like, the, the league makes a rule, the Bills complain, and then the the new rule in the NFL is Mahomes has to play left-handed. Like, it, it he still might win one. But, like, I just, like, there's just, I, three three is an I think it's an impossible number for any other quarterback. So it has moved from like the pursuit of you know being the best in his generation to being generational and just like the greatest player of all time and all this stuff. Like this is the coronation of the race. This is the 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 the, the, the laps can begin. The race begins now. Well, yeah, and like, so there, I guess there's multiple ways to do it because no matter what, the rest of Mahomes' career is going to be about chasing Tom Brady's numbers. You can't, and no matter what happens the rest of his career, he is a top three and he's definitely not three quarterback to ever play the game by no matter essentially however you want to splice it up, right? And so now it's just about ch- chasing Tom Brady, but once you get this third one, like that cements it, that puts it in stone that you are in the top three bare minimum, right? That puts you there. There's no way to go down. And if you go back and look at Tom Brady, and it, it's going to stink because we're going to constantly compare everything about this team to the New England Patriots. And like, it sucks that this Chiefs run is following one of the greatest football runs of all time pretty much right off its heels. But that's going to be the easy comparison that everyone's going to make. New England Patriots win a decade in between number three and number four. But nobody cared. Like, it didn't matter at any point in time during those 10 years that Tom Brady wasn't the best quarterback that was still playing the game, you know, was still playing football. Mahomes is now at that point, right? The the legacy, the long-term legacy is set. You now have so much leeway that if things don't go well, if they happen to not go well, there's nothing that's going to be necessarily, like, thrown back at this team, at him as a player that you can ever use to bring him back down. Because I think that third one really is, like, this big separator from a lot of other guys that have gotten into two. And then you consider the talent that he plays with. So it's just like, it literally feels like it. it's not, it doesn't translate to playing with house money or anything like that, but it's like this leeway. I do think it takes a little bit of pressure off your shoulders. Now it is up to you. It is up to him, not, you know, any of us, but it's up to Mahomes and Andy Reid to keep that motivation, to keep that ship going every single year. And like, I, from what we've seen from them, I think they will. I think they will do a very good job of keeping up the intensity. But now, no matter what, like the, there is a little bit of like you can breathe because now it's just about not mm-hmm. are you the greatest? Are you are you, are you the greatest? Are you in that conversation? Now you are, no matter what. Now it's just how far can you push that envelope? It is almost like you're playing with just a little bit more freedom year in and year out. Yeah, it's it's one of those that you look at. And you scroll through some of the quarterbacks that have won two. There's a case, you know, for some of them to make it into the Hall of Fame, but not all of them are there. I mean, you know, Jim Plunkett for the Raiders in the 80s won two, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. Ben Roethlisberger, he won two. May not make it into the Hall of Fame. We'll we'll see. Eli Manning, we're going to have that conversation next year uh, about Eli he should get in but it's going to be a lot of the off the field stuff versus you know him himself so like th- those are the kind of guys that you look at a little bit and you say okay like I-, I understand the level of quarterback you can get yourself to two three nah <laughs> nah if you win three you- you're in the whole thing like you're in- it- everybody everybody that has won three or more, except for Tom Brady, who is not eligible for the Hall of Fame, and of course is a first ballot Hall of Famer, is in. 
They are all in. Patrick Mahomes could hang it up right now with his current stats. He would be a first ballot guy five years from now unequivocally. You would not argue it at all. You probably wouldn't throw him in the GOAT conversation anymore because he hung it up already, but the conversation would still occur there. So the three is massive. It really is. It it is going to be so massive for so many different players within this organization, not just Patrick Mahomes, so many different players, because it's hard to argue a dynasty and the players that have been such a big part of it, like Chris Jones, like Travis Kelsey, like those guys, you now don't have to build much of a case to get them into camp. You can count on one hand the quarterbacks that have won three mm-hmm. or more Super Bowls. It's Joe, it's Tom, it's Bradshaw, <laughs> it's Aikman. Aikman can hold this big old L. Oh, Cowboys owner Joshua Briscoe approves of that one. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's insane, man. And Mahomes is doing it at a speed that no one's ever done this at. He's ahead of schedule compared to Tom. He's, uh, yeah, he's, he's the best. He's the best ever. I don't care. Argue with your cat. Uh, Mahomes is a better football player than Tom Brady. I'm, I'm okay saying it. I, I'm not afraid to do it. Um, I want to talk. Let's let's start getting into this game a little bit, and I want to talk about somebody off the top. And like, I'm going to completely buck the trend because I'm going to go defense here. Um, yeah, I know. Um, whatever you thought of Trent McDuffie's performance <laughs> in the Super Bowl, I promise you, it was better when you rewatch it. He is. So good. He was so good in this game. Like, I I don't know if everybody remembers the, you know, the post route to Debo on the vertical that he breaks up. He plays the football. How about that for a redemption arc for for Trent McDuffie? Not playing the ball in the end zone against a big physical or in the end zone against a big physical defender and going up and making an incredible play. But here's what I want to talk about. Everyone's going to talk about the blitz, right? They're going to talk about the blitz at the end of the game. He gets the pass deflection and keeps that third and four play from, you know, from converting and basically ending the Chiefs season. Trent McDuffie makes the game play decision or uh, game playing uh, game deciding play for the Chiefs. Like it's just a massive, massive play. The Chiefs are getting, you know, just works down the field and they run and the Niners run on first and 10 in that possession. And I know we're going to talk, everybody's going to talk about that blitz. But it's second and four, or it's second and four, and the and the Niners try to run a little boot action, and George Kittle's kind of, you know, running a little out route. And who makes the play on second and four to stop, to stop that play from, you know, dead in its tracks, right at the, right at the line of scrimmage, no wiggle room, third and four now. Who was it? Who was it, Matthew? Tell me, please. I'm waiting. <laughs> Trent McDuffie, man. Back-to-back plays to just to, to really ultimately win this, this team the Super Bowl. If George Kittle gets one yard, the play call's different. Mm-hmm. If George Kittle, yeah, it gets two yards, 
it's probably four down ter- territory for the Niners, and the Chiefs are probably not in a great position to win that football game. Trent McDuffie, it was back-to-back plays that old, that really won this team this game. I mean, I know there's a lot of moments, but if he doesn't make those two plays, this team probably doesn't win because Jake Moody's making a field goal as the clock expires. They don't get the ball back. They He had to be perfect those two plays, and he was. On top of making a four-point play in the end zone earlier in the game, he played out of his mind. I it, This is a blue chip. This is one of the best cornerbacks in football. He's one of the, one of the best defensive players in football. It was a coronation for Trent McDuffie last night, too. He played an unbelievable football game. I was so happy watching it. Yeah, I mean, it was great. And I think it all goes back to like what the Chiefs' plan was. And it sounds like they came out into the game a little bit and were playing zone early in the game. And the 49ers were trying to get Debo Samuel going because he's their guy that they use a lot against zone coverage. And Steve Spagnuolo even said, like, hey, we had to adjust because Brock Purdy was doing a pretty good job against us in zone. Chiefs end up in this game playing 64% man coverage throughout the game. And that puts Trent McDuffie man-to-man coverage on somebody in the slot. And yeah, I mean, guess what? He did a great job. They have Debo Samuel in the slot. He's the guy the 49ers are trying to get going. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk had some big catches, but they were all the same route. They weren't really trying to funnel a lot through him. They were trying to funnel their their passing offense through Debo Samuel. It wasn't Kittle. It wasn't Christian McCaffrey. It wasn't Brandon Ayuk. It was Debo Samuel. And he and Trent McDuffie went up against each other a lot. Debo Samuel had six targets with Trent McDuffie in coverage. He had one catch on those six targets. It was behind the line of scrimmage. That's the one catch. Now, yes, he also had a drop, but he had a catch behind the line of scrimmage was his only catch while working against Trent McDuffie. Trent had three pass breakups out of those six plays. He absolutely shut down Debo Samuel in this game, and that that does go a long way because now you have Legereus Need for the most part taking the Brandon Ayuk out of this game when you're going man coverage. Now you have Trent McDuffie taking away Debo Samuel when you're going in man coverage, and it really showed that the 49ers didn't feel comfortable forcing the ball to anybody else. Like, consistently, Juwan Jennings made big plays. CMC made some big plays catching the ball out of the backfield, but the fact that Chiefs had not one but two corners they could just throw out there say, hey, we're going to play a bunch of single high. We're going to blitz a bunch and play man coverage behind it, and good luck. Trent was phenomenal. And then you get, like Kent said, you get some big other big plays. Some stuff that stuck out to me, a couple outside run plays, Trent McDuffie was in the sights of Trent Williams. One-on-one. Now, McDuffie didn't make any plays here. Don't get, don't get me wrong. He did not submarine anything. He didn't make the tackle, but he was in the way long enough that it forced CMC to have to declare which way around Trent Williams he was going to cut, and that allowed the help to come back. Now, one of them was the tackle like right at the first down marker, but if Trent gets blown out of there, that's a 20-plus yard gain instead of like a seven-yard gain that gets a first down. The other one was Justin Reed flying from deep and coming up and making the run stuff, but it was because Trent McDuffie set the edge against Trent Williams, one of the best space blockers in the entire NFL right now. So it's just he did so many little things well, then you get into the blitz, and I guess Trent McDuffie was the single best player on the field that if Patrick Mahomes doesn't have the final two drives he has, he should have been the, the MVP of the Super Bowl. He was the best player out there. It's funny when you're rewatching the game to see how often Trent McDuffie and Legereus Sneed just wholeheartedly trying to stack and succeeding. Legereus Sneed succeeded multiple times stacking one I had a first team all pro left tackle in run support. Just flying up, making plays. 
What a redemption arc for Trent McDuffie. He was not bad last year. Don't get me wrong. But he did not have a Super Bowl that he will remember very fondly. With that Philadelphia Eagles game, he got got a little bit. He mistimed a play. He had, you know, allowed several big completions. Like it was just not his best performance. And I remember after the game sitting there and going, listen, not all hope is lost with Trent McDuffie. I feel like he's still a really good football player. He's got a potential to be a blue chip player sometime within his rookie contract. Little did we know it was going to be the very next year as a first team all pro coming out and just having an incredible Super Bowl. But, you know, fully, not that he needed to make up for it, but fully making up for anything that anybody could say about that first one. Now you get to look back at that and go, eh, he's a rookie. He was the first Super Bowl. He's a rookie. No big deal. Did you see what he did in the second one? This is a guy that doesn't have an interception to his name in the NFL right now. And guess what? It doesn't matter. He doesn't need it. He is just that good of a football player to make first team all pro to be the best player on a defense that was incredible and had lots of great performances. He was outstanding yesterday. And I have the perfect quote. This is from MVS on Twitter literally just now. It was in response to how good Trent McDuffie was in the playoffs. He said, people don't truly understand how good this kid is. So quiet and humble. Don't say shit, but we'll have you strapped in like a roller coaster. Oh, I love that. That's all MVS. And like, it's, it's so true because he's not he's not Jerry Sneed. Jerry Sneed talks a lot of trash on the football field, and it's awesome. I love that. I want my corners to do that. Don't get me wrong. Trent McDuffie's not not into that. Yeah, he makes a big play. There's a little flexing. There's a little bit of like, yeah, you know, you know what just happened. But he is not the loudest of cornerbacks out there for a guy that makes a lot of feisty plays. A guy that makes a lot of physical plays for being a smaller guy. He doesn't tuck a ton of trash out on the football field, but the play does. And he's just been, he was absolutely phenomenal. So yeah, I think it's a great place to start, Kent. I think this is a great place to take a break. We'll be back right after this. We appreciate you supporting KC Sports Network by listening to our podcast. You have helped us become the highest ranked Chiefs podcast network in 2022 and 2023. And don't forget about our daily Substack newsletter, the best written analysis you can find on the Chiefs straight to your inbox every day. KCSN.substack.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Appreciate everybody that is hanging out with us tonight on a live edition of the KC Laboratory, celebrating yet another Super Bowl, just kind of reminiscing and, and you know, we've had time to process. It's always, it's always so tricky to do. I, man, I love how much experience we have with post-victory, post-Super Bowl victory shows. Last night's show is kind of hard to do because, like, you don't have anything processed at all. You don't have anything really just fleshed out in your mind. You know, I you're going from just, like, you know, being full-fledged fan and, you know, hanging out with people and all that stuff and then just jumping into it, into doing this. It's, like, always just, like, my brain was just going a million miles an hour, but, like, everything kind of slows down, settles down a little bit. It's kind of just fun to kind of get back to it a little bit. I talked about Trent McDuffie. Um, I, is there anybody that like you really want to profile, or anything specifically that you really feel like profiling Matthew in this? You know, just I, I don't know. Just I give you a chance to kind of get something out. Yeah, there's a lot. I'm, I'm gonna jump to I'm gonna jump to the offense. I got a couple defensive guys. But I'm gonna jump to the offense. I, I'm actually gonna go with Rasheed Rice, but not I think for a reason. A lot of people are gonna expect. Um, here's a guy who I one. The Chiefs in the first half, I, Andy Reid said if they would if the 49ers in overtime scored a touchdown and the Chiefs scored a touchdown, they were going to go for two. They weren't going to play the sudden death game. I really think the two-point conversion play, if it was a corn dog, it was going to be something with Rasheed Rice aligned in the backfield in that split back look where they ran the ball twice in the first half. Because there's no other reason I think that shows up in this game in the first half with Rasheed Rice unless there was a playoff of it. So I wouldn't say that first. But the next, you're going down. They're down three. They get down into the red zone. Creed Humphrey, you know, slides a ball across the ground. It cost Mahomes a chance to see Rasheed Rice open for a touchdown that would have won them the game. It would have been a walk-off touchdown to Rasheed Rice. It would have been phenomenal. And it's like, and it was a perfect play call. You have Kelsey work from condensed away. Rice comes in right behind it to the void when all the attention is going to Kelsey. Specifically, Fred Warner's no longer in the middle of the field. Exactly what you want because that man's a freak of nature. Playing and man coverage on on Kelsey lined up as a YISO. Rasheed Rice is scoring a touchdown there. The ball skips across the ground. Rasheed Rice is pissed. I don't know exactly what he said, but he was pissed because Mahomes, when they got to the sideline, Mahomes chased him down, veins popping, yelling at him, cussing him out, telling him, You're wrong, kid. This is what happened. The ball rolled to me. I had to go. And Rasheed Rice quickly said, nope, I get that. I didn't know that. My fault. Let's go then. But he was upset. He was pissed. Here is a rookie wide receiver on a team whose wide receivers have been just thrown under the bus by everybody in the world besides Mahomes all year long. Under the bus. Under the bus. Under the bus. And here's a rookie 
that has the stones in the biggest moment of all time to question the best player on the planet and not in a negative way, not in a way that hurts the team, not in a way that causes anything poor to happen. What does Mahomes do when they get the ball next? They come out and they get Rasheed Rice a couple touches. And twice. Go, twice. One of them on a big cover zero play where he's working. There's like big 36. It didn't. It, zero. it didn't cause... Didn't cause any issues, but the fact that Rasheed Rice in this stage in his career felt comfortable enough voicing his frustration to the best player on the planet in the Super Bowl of a now tie game going to overtime, that just to me that says there's a little something special in that locker room. There's something special that Mahomes has, like as a leader, as a person that people believe in. Because could you imagine a rookie wide receiver ever going off on Tom Brady like that? And if that man would have seen the light of day he would not have made it till Monday morning. And that's nothing bad about him. So I just, I wanted to say, I, I, I like that. I like that whole concept of Rasheed Rice comfortable enough to voice it. Mahomes saying, hey, it wasn't my fault, dude. The snap sucked. Get over it. And Rasheed Rice getting over it. Peyton Manning would have gotten a shovel, dug a hole at midfield, and buried a rook, rook, rookie wide receiver well, for trying that. Craig, that's why Peyton Manning only has two rings. Yeah, I know, I know. And why Patrick Mahomes has already passed him in playoffs. As three. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Um, no, it was it was kind of special to sit there and see all that happening. I really liked uh Mahomes semi joking after after the game, basically saying it's like, Well, he lives down there in Texas real close to me, so he's gonna be seeing a lot of me whether he will, he likes it or not this off season. Like, that's good. And then talked about how we want to we want to build on this. We want to make him. We want to help him reach his potential. Yep. We want to help him get there. And you saw that throughout the year. I, we even remarked whatever game that was. I, this this season's been long. Um, it was middle of the year where Rice made a big play. You know, it was went in the middle of a lot of drops in the middle of a lot of bad wide receiver play. He made a big play. I, I believe it was either a touchdown or just a really long explosive play. And the first two people to run up and congratulate him and stand there and talk to him about it for a long time were Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey because they see something special in the kid. They really do. They see him as this guy that can be even more than we've already seen from, from a player. And to hear that sort of thing happening, to see that sort of thing happening, and then to see the growth and the trust level that Patrick has in him already, it just that like it, it's good. I don't know that he's ever going to be a true wide receiver one. Like if we're going to be talking about him in the realm of oh wow, you know he had a fourteen hundred yard season and he's just this really stellar guy, you know, a guy that we can count on for everything and all of that. But he is going to be such an important piece of this offense going forward. Period. Like he just is, and he's always going to be around. And him building that chemistry with Patrick is already so amazing. I know, I know how much he wanted that touchdown, how much he wanted that score because he was open. I, and I get it. And that frustration bubbles up in that moment when you're settling for three. I mean, we we witnessed Travis Kelsey being pissed off that he wasn't on the field during the Isaiah Pacheco fumble. It's a similar sort of deal. They want to win so much. They want the ball. They want to be able to be key cogs in a championship team. And that's not a bad thing whatsoever. So the fact that you're seeing that already, whew, 
that's fun. He was ready for the moment. He was ready for the touchdown, and then he didn't let anything get in the way of him making big plays in the most important drive of the game. You know, he he was massive. And it's third and six, they're throwing him the ball. Zero pressure, third and six, throwing him an underneath route, and he's going and finishing the play. Like, just unbelievable. By the way, I, I need to redo the math, but I think he was playing like a 1,300-yard receiver, a little bit under 1,300 yards during the first three playoff games, by the way. So great. you want to talk about maybe not being a wide receiver one? I don't know about that because statistically, we'll find, we'll find, you know, like it's it's like, I mean, he was playing at a, he played at an exceptional non-rookie level. Like we probably aren't talking enough about that, that, you know, how well he played during these playoffs. Obviously, you know, he had a little, you know, had a couple rough moments. He had a fumble in the, in the Super Bowl that, didn't cost the team, thank God. Uh, but he made some big plays in overtime, and like he's obviously a huge factor in why this team, you know, did what they did. So, um, yeah, it's been fun watching his developmental arc, watching him play, just get better. Especially, I mean, I'm, I don't, we don't need to get any negatives in here, but like just the fact that he was everything this team drastically needed him to be is just, it's so cool. It's so cool to see. Uh, Craig, who who do you want to give some flowers to? Because like me, me and Maddie have already kind of highlighted somebody, but you tell me. I mean, uh, there's so many. There are so many people. I, I'm going to go with Mike Pinnell. Um, yes. I know we talked a little bit about him in the postgame, but Mike Pinnell was a monster. Like an absolute monster. And it was between him and Leo Chanel, who was also a <laughs> monster. But Pinnell's story. He's a free agent. He's just sitting around. He's not doing anything. He gets a call in October from the Chiefs. Hey, we need another nose tackle on this team. And at the time, if you'll recall, we kind of made fun of the fact that the Chiefs drafted a nose tackle that never made it off of the practice. Uh, he made it off the practice squad for a week. That's right. Uh, drafted a nose tackle, traded a pick for another nose tackle, and then here they are signing yet another nose tackle to the active roster. He might have been the best defensive lineman in this game. Like, in what he specifically did. Chris Jones was better. Don't get me wrong. But in what he did and what he was asked to do, he was so dominant on a snap-by-snap basis. Trent Williams had to deal with all these feisty little DBs coming up and hitting him and, you know, having to deal with all of that. I'm sure it felt like, you know, a you know, gorilla swatting away some, some flies or something like that. But then there was another one that came into the, came into the jungle there and holy cow, Mike Pinnell dominated him on multiple run snaps, multiple. This man is trying to down block him, and Mike Pinnell is holding him off with one arm, controlling the line of scrimmage, and then shedding him, just throwing him to the ground and making a tackle. Multiple times he did that. He was a force in the middle of the defense that we have not seen all year long at all. Derek Nottie had some good moments this season, but that was the single best performance by a nose tackle all season long and it happened in the biggest game when they needed somebody to come in and stop the run 
he was uh, Mike Finnell was a monster. When you uh, there's two people I want to talk about for different reasons, but they both tie back to Mike Finnell. So you talked about Mike Finnell kind of just doing like for what he was asked to do, just doing it near perfect, right? And just being exceptional and playing 100% agree. I think that's the parallel to Leo Chanel. Leo Chanel like was awesome in the same regard from a linebacker yes. position. What he was asked to do, how disruptive he was, how physical he was with the 49ers, you know, that density and power and physicality, the violence and physicality he talked about on draft weekend, you know, at FanFest or whatever. Like that, like that was him. That was him. and then forcing a fumble and making a play on the football. Tons of credit to him. So, like the parallel for me on them is you know Mike Pinnell and Leo Chanel, very defined roles. But what they did in their defined roles, I thought they were awesome. But you talk about uh, there's another parallel I want to talk about too. Is Mike Pinnell's 32 years old? He's kind of been a journeyman to this point. He's not played. You know, like you said, he's a street free agent. What comes in and winds up being a, a key player in the Super Bowl and like. It's not just like, oh, good job. He was making plays. He was blowing things up in the middle of the of the defense. Like, just unbelievable. But I don't know if Mike Pinnell is going to have very many opportunities to do that again. Maybe he comes back to the Chiefs on a, you know, in a rotational role. I don't know. He's 32 years old. He's on, the, he's on the wrong side of 30. And so he played like a guy that doesn't have many options and many chances left to achieve greatness and to be on a Super Bowl team. He might have had a career game at 32 years old, and hopefully he gets more opportunities if he wants to continue. But I, that gives me an opportunity to talk about somebody else who well, I don't know if we brought him up on the post game show last night that maybe doesn't have very many opportunities left, but wanted to go out there and give everything they had to the point where they came back from, from their core muscle surgery as quickly as they possibly could to be a part of this game. That's Jarek McKinnon. He had a very you know a small role, but played he played great, played well, made a couple big catches. Well, one big catch in the, in the checkdown, but like one big catch to extend it to extend in, in the second half. But it's not about like the performance for me. It's just the fact that he was out there performing. I I don't think Jarek McKinnon. I don't know how much Jarek McKinnon has left in the tank. That man has been through so many injuries, and it's not a because he doesn't want to. It's just his body might might keep him from playing anymore. But I was so happy to watch him go out there and make an impact in this football game. I've I have so much uh, love, admiration, appreciation, respect for Jarek McKinnon and the fact that we got to see one more Jarek McKinnon game and it was the Super Bowl and it meant something to him. And it meant something to him for what appeared to be a lot of reasons, both the Niners and like hey look, he's a running back on the wrong side of 30. You know, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Just ton of credit, respect to him. I was just so glad to see him get another ring because I think he's been such a vital role player for this offense the last few years. And I'm just glad he got, you know, got some flowers and got to play on that field one more time. I mean, going back to Mike Pinnell, he led the team and run stops. He played the second most snaps on the defensive line behind only Chris Jones. Wow. And like, yeah, I, you know, don't want to go too much farther down, like nose tackle, uh, you know, um, technical terms here. But the Chiefs' run defense got real good when Mike Pinnell was out there because he's a guy that is big and strong. And like, yeah, you can have all the advantageous angles you want, 
when Mike Pinnell can just knows he's getting single block because Steve Spagnuolo is loading the box, giving you these hard surfaces, they can't combo him anymore. My man just got a wide stance, shoved his arm into the down block or the guy trying to reach him and said, nah, you shall not pass. And it was over <laughs> and it was done. And like, that's a credit to Spags because it allowed Mike Pinnell to be in literally in one-on-ones versus a, you know, relatively weaker interior offensive line to what the 49ers are supposed to have, but it allowed other guys to play free. So I thought he was great. Leo Chanel was obviously great. Everyone's seen the clips now of him taking on George Kittle, of him, you know, taking on multiple players, use check, Kittle in the same play, making the plays. He was great. I thought, you know, so many guys were good. I like the Jarek McKinnon shout out because he clearly isn't the same athlete he once was. And he clearly isn't the same kind of weapon that he once was. But man, they trust him so much in pass protection to throw him out there and get everything right. So like, yeah, I'm glad he got to come back for this game. I thought it was kind of interesting that they really wanted him back for this game against a 49ers team that doesn't really blitz a ton and like why they, I don't want to say rushed it, but we're like, yeah, that's okay. We'll let you go back out there this quickly. But I mean, it mattered. It ended up mattering because the 49ers did blitz. He did his normal Jarek McKinnon thing. He made a couple plays. So like, I'm glad he got to get back out there. You know he wanted to be in meant a lot for all of them. So like, is, is there anybody else we've missed out or can we wrap everybody up with some slaps, stickers, and... and, and Oh, go ahead. I got one more. Spirit. I got one more. Harrison Butker low-key might make himself That's a Hall good. of Fame here. Uh, it's yeah. really, really, really difficult to get in as a kicker. Like, it takes something Not going to pretend to know the rules. Special. Like, I mean, it really does. It, it's one of those, like, when you look over, like, the kicker lists and the all-timers and everything like that, you're like, okay, so why did that one get in? That one didn't. And it's usually because... Big moments. They did it in big moments. Longevity doesn't matter as a kicker. Like, you rack up stats for a long time. You can play well into your 40s. Like, it's one of those that you don't... You The counting stats aren't the same. So it's about what you do in big moments. And yes, having the Super Bowl record for a field goal is awesome. But having the most field goals ever in the Super Bowl is awesome. Awesome. Like we are now to the point where he is seven years into his career here. And I believe right now, I think he's number seven or fourth all time, fourth all time in postseason kicks. He's going to catch the guys in front of him because he's maybe 20 behind Adam Vinatieri, who played for double the amount of time that he has. Harrison Butker is going to catch every single relevant kicker on every single postseason list. And so when you look at this, what's that? Well, it's just because Justin Tucker's not playing very many games right now. That's uh, that's fun. (laughs) Maybe he should try being better. Um, (laughs) No. (laughs) Try not to stop Patrick Mahomes so that you go home early. Um, Harrison Booker. Is just nails right now. And I'm writing this series that I get to finish yet another chapter of for the KCSN Substack about the history of the Chiefs in the playoffs. It is so tragic, the kicker success that they've had. Like, we fondly remember players that were just garbage in the postseason as kickers. Like, absolute trash in the postseason. Really good regular season kickers get to the postseason and nope, just it, it's not there. Harrison Butker is different. Harrison Butker 
his nails. He's got ice in his veins. He's like all of those, you know, cliches. He's all of that. And he's going to catch every single one of these. He's going to have more rings as a Kansas City Chief. This is not the last one that he's going to get. I, I think, you know, we talk about all these future Hall of Famers and these guys that have an argument and have a case. Harrison Butker last night made his case, and I think he's got more to build off. Uh, Justin Tucker's made 90.2% of his field goals, and Harrison Butker's made 89.1. Like, he's yeah. not far removed from from Tucker. Adam Vinatieri only made he made less than 84% of his field goals. Now, now do playoffs. Yeah. Oh, wait. Oh. oh. Mark can't win it in the playoffs, so Justin Tucker can't play enough in them. That's a good point. Uh, but yeah, no, a huge credit to to Harrison Bucker. Um, if you want to get a game ball in, this is your opportunity. Um, if you're listening on if you're on the chat, so leave some ideas out for us. Uh, some ideas for your game ball. But it is time for stickers, slaps, and spirits. Uh let me think here. I don't know who I really want to go with. Um, let's. I, I there's a fun stat I saw that, that someone that I, I want to give the. I, I wish I could give them the credit, um, but it's a fun little. It's a fun little stat. It the last four touchdowns in the Super Bowl for the Kansas City Chiefs have been Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, Marquez Valdez Scantling, and McCole Hardman. It is like the four just like <laughs> most maligned receivers. In like this year, you know, and it's like it's just crazy to think about and just like look at that. So, um, McColl, I want to give McColl credit for how well he played. Want to give Marquez Valdez Scantling credit for coming in with that big te- big catch, um, and having that big touchdown catch. So, I want to, I'm, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go with a helmet sticker both to Marquez and and McColl Hardman. Just like a perfect story ending here. Both of those guys getting a field or you know getting a touchdown and, and getting the only two touchdowns in this game. So let's go with those two. Maddie. Oh, sorry. I thought you were setting up Craig. Um I I I I gave you know what? The, the this bit unfortunately has to die for another six months and kids gonna forget about it again and we're gonna get like five weeks into the season does- again and he's gonna be like, Oh, that's right. Maddie does this every time. Like, it's like it's the great. It's like week one every year when he makes Travis Kelsey his player to watch. I'm like, oh, yeah, never, never happened. Um, so I, I did Juwan Taylor for the toast game on the post game show. I very strongly believe that one, given a quick little rewatch to the game. But I'm going to go on the other side of the ball. I'm going to go Justin Reed on the defensive side of the ball. I think kind of like Juwan Taylor, guy got a little maligned throughout the year by various people, and I just don't think it's warranted at all. And then I thought he played some of his best football here down the stretch in the playoffs. And People are going to go dig through the stats and be like, oh, he was targeted four times and gave up four catches, and that's true. Look at where those catches came, though. They had him ISO'd one-on-one with a wide receiver one, with George Kittle, with CMC out of the backfield. He only gave up two first downs. Like He is the Chiefs' chess piece on the back end. He is the guy that moves around to all these different spots. Van coverage, deep half, robber, blitzer. He's the force player on run plays. He's the alley runner. Like he does a little bit of everything for this team. And that is part of what like makes Steve Spagnuolo's defense function is having a guy that can do that. It was Tyron Matthew for years. That's what this Chiefs defense did. He was the most pivotal part of the Chiefs defense for that first run was Tyron Matthew and his versatility. 
I'm not saying Justin Reed is the same type of player as Tyron Matthew, but he comes with the same type of versatility in the way they are using him. They were playing with two down linemen and using him as their Mike linebacker on some third down plays. They were moving him all over the field. And yeah, that's going to make some of his stats against maybe not always look the best because he's getting some of the hardest matchups rep after rep, but he's not getting beaten like a drum. He's not getting given up huge plays at left and right. He's making his impact felt early in games with his pressure with how hard he hits. He single-handedly shut down the Ravens run game. He came back in this game. There was a toss play. The first one that she stopped was Justin Reed flying in like a missile and making a tackle on Christian McCaffrey for not like for a relatively short gain. So Justin Reed, a big old butt slap on the way out the door because I think a lot of people, not out the door of the team, just for the season, let me be very clear. Breaking He's coming news. back next year, I certainly no. hope. <laughs> I certainly hope um, for the season going out. But yeah, I thought Justin Reed was great in this game, and he has been all playoffs. All right. Whole ass bottle of bourbon. I kind of want to give it to uh, Steve Spagnuolo's wife coming in clutch with those meatballs. Chris uh, didn't eat them. He didn't. He didn't eat him on game day. I'm certain that he shit. ate him during the week. Uh, I want to give a whole whole ass bottle of water to Joe Cullen signing an extension. Kansas um, City Chiefs. He's gonna stick stick with him for a little while there. So that's awesome. Um, I know we were all a little bit worried about what was going to happen with Joe Cullen after the season. So many different people really, really, really wanted him to come be their defensive coordinator and. Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. The Chiefs get to keep him. But my whole last bottle of bourbon's going to Chris Jones. Um, Chris Jones has been on a roller coaster this season. I mean, you think th- th- I this has been He Sirianied every national anthem in the playoffs. <laughs> it was you, yeah, where's you your could just tell that one. It... <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's allowed to do it. He's he's okay to do it because he plays for the Chiefs. That, that there's well, and he doesn't stare at the camera and you know act like a petulant child leading in a football program and have no rings. Uh anyways, can we, anyways. Can we can, Tucker? Can you pull the clips of Kit talking about Chris Jones from the off season? <laughs> Just a real like <laughs> that would be pretty pretty spectacular. No, he had a hell of an off season. He didn't he was great. didn't come to camp. Didn't show up. Didn't show up week one. Sat did show up. Sat in the stands week one. How bizarre was that? Shows up week two. Little bit out of shape. Doesn't look the same. Has a down period in the middle of it. Uh, our buddy Nate Tice talked about how you know doesn't really try on rundowns on quarters one through three throughout the regular season. They needed him to be big in this game because they were going to get him one on one looks. They needed him to play a massive role and he did he really did all game long from the front whistle or from the first whistle he was terrific played the run really really well he got just ample pressure on Brock Purdy couple of throws I, I think everybody remembers the one that um leave I, I maybe it was luxurious need that was down the sideline that Purdy overthrew in the end zone the, his receiver had a step on him Chris Jones is in the face of Purdy doesn't allow him to step into that throw. He sails it. Jones was just everywhere. And, you know, we, th- this defense is not just led by one individual player. There are so many pieces that matter so much to it. Chris Jones just stands out time and time again. He has shaken this whole, hey, maybe he doesn't show up for the playoffs thing. 
the past two years because he's been a monster the past two years and a key cog and a key reason why they are back-to-back champs. Chris was awesome. Um, I don't know what this future holds for him in Kansas City. I don't know what his representation is going to do. I, I just don't know what it's going to look like. But, man, I really fucking loved having Chris Jones on this team this year and the the way that he showed up. So, whole last bottle of bourbon for Chris Jones. We've got Gabe Alejos saying Justin Watson. Matt Kettner says good health. Brett Shepard, McDuffie, Kathy Walsh, FAU, Kyle Cook, McDuffie. Uh, we're getting some Karloftis love here. Drew Tranquil, a lot of McDuffie. So we're going to go with the game ball to McDuffie. We like that. One other quick question before we get out of here. Um, you said they went four safeties on third and four to basically decide the game, right? Yeah, that was the that was the two down linemen, two linemen. Yeah, yeah. That was that was Dion Bush's only defensive snap of the game. Big one. Yeah. That's just crazy. That's just just, him out there. Said just, we got this. Hey, you know, where, season's online. Wear that go. damn wear that damn ring proud, Dion. I just it's just crazy. Well, he had a big interception really in the in the postseason too. It's just wild that that was his only defensive snap of the game. Just happened to be the most crucial down of the game. It's just I love the sport. I love this team. We love all of you. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Casey Laboratory. We'll catch you later. Sad-ass 31 teams right now. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.